Welcome to week two of Stay Positive, and we're so excited that you're here. Uh, I, I've said from the beginning of this series that I really hope that this idea of stay positive and speak life and be encouraging, I really hope this becomes uh, a major part of the fabric of our church. I hope, I believe that you can be um, sort of like carry a mantle or have sort of uh, God impart things that become core values. I hope that becomes this for this church, that we be people that are life-giving and speak positive. We talked about how culture uh, man, they love to build people up and then tear them down. You know, if you look at the headlines that get most of the clicks, uh, it's a negative. It's a negative. It's some kind of negative or, you know, these trending tweets, all these type things. Uh, when you track data of how people sort of socialize, uh, it's a lot of this negative bend. And so a lot of people could say, well, this world is negative and, you know, it's, it's just all going to hell and blah, blah, blah. Or you could go, hey, the church has a great opportunity to stand out and be a light and to look different than the rest. Amen? And so we believe that. We believe that. Um, we saw last week that the scripture says that the joy of the Lord is our strength. And a lot of time we read that and we go, oh, the joy of the Lord is going to give me strength and I'll just feel good about myself. But I also believe this, that the joy of the Lord is a strength that we have as Christians to use in our communities. I believe it's given to us as like, hey, I can make a difference in my community by being a group of people who use my joy to make a difference. I come into negative atmospheres. I come into things that are run down and I can bring the joy of the Lord into it and change atmospheres. Amen. And so that's what we believe about this series. Stay positive is that God wants us to be life giving and God wants us to speak life. And and uh, and so we looked at scripture, how Proverbs 23, 7, at the end of the scripture, it says, as he thinketh in his heart, so he is. So if you let negativity run in your, in your heart, if you let negativity rule what you think in your heart, what you let is, is what you will develop. It's what will come into existence in your life if you let that happen. We saw in Luke chapter 6, 45, it says, a good man brings out good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And an evil man brings out evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. So whatever you let dominate in your heart is what is. And so the negativity about your job or the negativity about all these things, is that coming out of your heart? Or are you coming in and staying positive and speaking life? I think it's important for us to be a people who... Um, can challenge the process or who can give a critique. I'm not saying we should never question anything and everything should be positive and fake and we should live in a bubble world. I'm not saying that at all. But I'm saying there's a difference between giving a godly critique or a godly uh, maybe correction that we use through scripture and then being critical. You know, God hasn't called us to be Christians with the Bible that go out there and we're just critical and ugly and nasty and hitting people. God's called us. Jesus came and said, hey, I've come to give you life and give it to you better. Amen. And sometimes, you know, it is, it is a correction, you know, that comes in, 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 you know, that can be positive. How many know that like you can receive correction as a positive? I'm so thankful that they love me in such a way that they'll tell me the truth. Amen. That's what we do with our kids is, Hey, I love you so much. I'm going to tell you the truth. And that can be a positive. And so we took a look at that. And then the one thing we kind of wrapped up on last week is we, we said that, um, nobody has ever lived a positive life with a negative attitude. You can't produce positive results in your life if you allow negativity to run and rule. It just doesn't happen. And so we have to guard against this negativity. I heard this story, which I thought was pretty great. It's of this old guy, and he's sitting in a chair, and, and he's so happy. He's so content with his life. Uh, he's so 
feels positive. He just, he's happy with where he's at. And some of his friends are near him and they just look at him and they go, man, this old guy, look at him at the, you know, he just, he's here and, uh, and he's so happy uh, in his old age. And, and so they asked him, they said, you know, what is it, you know, in your old age, sitting there in your rocking chair, you know, what is it that has allowed you to just be so positive and, and just to be so happy? What's fulfilled you so much in life? And he said, well, I smoke three packs of cigarettes a day. And I drink a pint of whiskey every day. And they said, are you serious? And he said, yeah, I'm serious. That's, well, they were like, that's incredible. I can't even believe all these years you've smoked three packs of cigarettes and a pint of every single day. And then he said, yeah, it's just what I, they said, well, how old are you? He said, I'm 26, <laughs> but I'm staying positive about it. He's just so, and uh, really, I don't have a good spiritual spin on that. I just thought it was funny. So... <laughs> Uh, we'll edit that part out. So anyway, I want to take a look at what's my favorite scripture, you know, uh, all throughout scripture, uh, especially when Jesus would teach, he'd tear, uh, share a parable or they'd tell a story and he'd say, uh, the kingdom of heaven is like, and then he'd basically uh, tell a picture story. And they knew in their culture at that time uh, that they needed to look into that deeply. They need to, okay, he said it's like this, it means this. I need to tear it down. I need to look at it. I need to understand it in a better way. And so sometimes when we read scripture, we just like read it to get through it. And we just kind of understand it as like this event. But God wants us to look at scripture as like, what does it mean? How does it apply? And, uh, and so you take a story like this where we're about to see where Peter walked on water and the boat was out in a storm. And you kind of read through it and you go, that's a crazy story. But all throughout it, there's just so much truth that we can apply even to our modern, you know, kind of current culture now. And so I want to do that today. It's one of my favorite stories. It's so fun to look at. And there's two accounts of this story. There's Matthew 14, and then there's Mark 6. And so we'll pull from both, but I just want to read just Mark 6. So Mark 6, 45, is, uh, it says this. It says, immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him. While he dismissed the crowd, so Jesus made his disciples go ahead of him while he dismissed the crowd. I love this part here too, because you could just see uh, as this writing is happening, because the boat went on ahead and then it ran into a storm and there was all this turmoil. And uh, you could just see that like when the writer was getting ready to write it, it's like, make sure that they know that he made us go do that. <laughs> Maybe some fishermen with some experience, they were checking out the sky and they were like, are you sure you want us to go on? Make sure it's noted in the record that he made us go do that. <laughs> and I, I don't know that, but I'm just, I thought it was funny. So, uh, so he goes on ahead, and the scripture says in 46 that he went up to the mountainside to pray, and it says later that night, the boat was in the middle of the lake, the middle of the lake, and he was all alone on land, Jesus was. So disciples are on the boat in the middle of the lake, Jesus is up on land, and it says he saw the disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them. Shortly before he went out to them walking on the lake, he was about to pass by them. Isn't that crazy? It says that he was about to just pass by them walking on the lake, or so he was about to pass by them. But when they saw him walking on the lake, they thought he was a ghost. They cried out because they all saw him and were terrified. Immediately, Jesus spoke to them and said, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. So essentially, all this is going on and Jesus says to them, take courage. Don't be afraid. Essentially, he's saying, stay positive, have confidence. You can, you're going to be okay in this. And so today in week two of Stay Positive, I want to talk about how we can have godly confidence. You have the right or the ability to stay positive about things in your life because God gives you confidence. 
It's not confidence in ourself. It's not even confidence in our church. It's not confidence in any kind of political system. It's confidence in God and who he is. Amen. And so he's saying all throughout scripture, you may have heard it, that, that fear not or have no fear or trust all 365 times in scripture, God gives us a command or says to us, don't have fear. Don't live in a place of fear. You don't have to be afraid. What's he saying? You, like Maddie was saying, we're child of God. You can be confident in our God, in our life. Amen. And so week two of stay positive is you have the right as children of God, as Christians, as Christ followers, you have the right to be confident in the things that God's called you into. And we're going to take a look at scripture. It's full of God saying, hey, dream, be confident, believe, because God has paid everything for you. I mean, if, if, if you could think about it, literally, you've been giving the, the VIP wristband. I mean, you can get into whatever you want to get into in the kingdom of God because you have access through what happened on the cross. Amen. And so he's saying, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid, have confidence in the middle of the storm. And what's cool about the story that I take a lot from is right before this happened, they were actually just in the miracle of feeding the 5,000. And so, you know, how many know the fish and, and uh, I'm getting ready to say chips because I say that in a minute. Uh, I've been referencing it as fish and chips all day, but the bread and the fish. And so he does this miracle and 5,000 are fed and then they get on the boat and they go across and then they're in the storm. And here's what's interesting about this story. They see miracles, they see the 5,000, and then God gives them a word and says, get in your boat and go out into the lake, go across the thing. They were given divine instruction, instruction from God that then put them out in the middle of a storm, right? So they're out there, they're being obedient to God, the rain is falling, the lightning's crashing, the waves are crashing, the wind is blowing, they're just out there rowing the best that they can, and all they can tell themselves is, God told me to be here. How many of you have ever, God's called you and told you to do something, and all of a sudden you find yourself just rowing and stuck in the storm, and you're in the middle, how many of you that's ever happened? God's called you into something, and you're like, how did I end up in a storm? God called me into it, and here's what's interesting, is... I'll say this too. They're out in this storm and they're in the middle of the lake and the scripture and the, the uh, scholars believe that they were three and a half miles. And here's what we think when we hear stories like this in the Bible. We think ship, you know, they're in this big boat. There's people underneath playing cards, you know, whatever. Uh, but you're talking about a boat that they were rowing in. You know, they were, they said that there were oars. They're out there trying to, so it was a small boat. So God gives them a divine instruction. They get a word from God that says, go out and do this. And the next thing they know, they're in a place in a boat in the middle of a lake where I'll bet some of them were questioning, am I going to die out here? Am I going to lose my life? How many of you have ever been spoken to by God or God's led you into something or God's called you into something? And you get out there and the storms are crashing, the waves are crashing, the lightning's crashing. And all of a sudden you're feeling like, am I going to lose my life in this? Am I losing my life in this? I don't have the friend circle I used to. I don't have the bank account I used to. I don't have all these things like I used to. Am I losing my life by listening to God? And so that's them. They're out here now. And they're fearful of their life. And they're fearful of all these things. But we believe that Jesus was God. And that God is all-knowing. And so what we need to know about this story is that Jesus, he either sent the storm to their life which we don't believe that God does bad things to people. So we don't believe that he sent the storm, but he was all knowing. So he knew there'd be a storm. But what we would believe about this is not that God sent a storm. It's that God wasn't intimidated by a storm for them. In your life, 
we get in storm situations and we go, oh my God, there's a storm and there's all this stuff and oh my God, why have you? And God is going, I know about storms, but you should have enough confidence because I'm God and I'm not intimidated by storms and you're gonna be just fine. Somebody say amen. So we have to have that philosophy. I'm in a storm. I'm in a, this, this thing is happening. But the storm is not the end. God has not left you when you're in a storm. As a matter of fact, you're still just as empowered as the time that he called you because he believes and is not intimidated by storms. How do I know this? Because the scripture says that Jesus literally took all the things that they were afraid of, the waves, the wind, the light, all those things, and he just walked on them. He put them under his feet. If you can be a people that trust God and believe God and stay in it, scripture says they were just rowing against the wind, rowing, 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 and they just stayed rowing. Jesus can put all those things that you're fearing under his feet. God doesn't send storms, but he's also not intimidated by them because they can't affect you if you stay close to God, amen? Some things in our life are only learned through storms. Chapter before, or verse before, they're having a fish and chips party, like I alluded to. How fun was that, right? People are hungry all day. Finally, he multiplies it. There's tons of food. There's leftovers. I mean, you know, that was a fish and chips party. 5,000 people fed. They were having a good time. The next thing you know, they're on the boat. Because here's the truth. There are some things you can learn from fish and chip parties with God. The shouting, the celebrating. We get excited about that. There's some things that is to be learned there. But there's also some only, there's only some things that you can learn through a storm. There, there's both. It takes both. Amen. And so it, the God is the same in both of them. So they saw miracles in the fish and chips. And then the next thing they know, they're out on the lake. They saw blind eyes and lepers healed and all these things healed. But yet the next thing they find themselves wondering if they're going to die. The scripture says this about Jesus. It said, we read, it said that he saw them as they kept rowing. So the scripture says in one of them, I forget Matthew or Mark, but it says they're rowing and they're rowing and the wind is against them and they weren't going anywhere. The boat's staying in the same place. They're this far from shore. They're this far out in the middle. They have no options other than to just go and go because God called them to do it. And so they need to keep rowing. But Jesus says that he noticed that they were still rowing. The trouble is in our life, we let the wind decide our effort. So we get into a situation that God's called us to and we call to just row and go and grind it and keep rowing and keep rowing. But then the wind comes and we go, oh, the wind's here. Must not be called to do it anymore. I'm gonna stop rowing. I'm gonna push back. I'm gonna decide to go back. But the scripture says that Jesus noticed they kept rowing. Here's what I wanna say to you. Some of you may feel like you're in a situation where all you're doing is rowing. You don't see any progress. You're rowing, you're getting, I mean, think about it for them. They just had a party. They had more fish than they could. Now that I'm, I'm sure they were puking and cramping and like all kinds of stuff. And they're just still rowing and rowing. But the scripture says that they weren't going anywhere. How many have ever been called by God into a situation and all you're doing is rowing and rowing and rowing and all you do is look around and go, I'm not getting anywhere in this. I'm doing the best that I can with this job or uh, with this marriage or with this situation with my family or with this thing that I'm involved in, I'm rowing, I'm rowing. And when you take a look around, you have no credit to show for it. We're in the same place. But I want to tell you this morning that Jesus is making note of your rowing. 
and he will reward you for it. It doesn't matter on paper or what you look around and what you can see in the natural because the scripture says that Jesus noticed that they were rowing. I'm telling you this morning, stay at it. Keep rowing, keep rowing, keep rowing because God is making note of what you're doing. Amen? We have to keep rowing. I thought about this. The kingdom of God has two rules. Rule number one is never quit. And rule number two is always remember rule number one. We serve, we're in a kingdom that just, you don't quit. You just keep going. You just keep fighting. You just keep trusting God. Quitting is the easy thing to do. In most cases, businesses fail not because it wasn't going to work. It's because people just quit too early. Somebody quit too early. Many times in your life, your breakthrough is right there. And we give up and we quit because quitting is easy. You know, being positive and being life-giving and speaking life-giving Uh, If it were easy, everybody would be doing it. If the kingdom of God and serving and loving others and forgiving others and walking in grace and all, if that were easy, everybody would be doing it. But we're called to just keep rowing and just keep trusting God and keep rowing, amen? In the kingdom of God, winners never quit and quitters never win. Quitting is really just giving up on a positive outlook. Quitting is really just giving up a positive outlook on what you once believed in. I love this. We've all heard this. When you want to quit, remind yourself of why you started. So quitting is really us just going, ah, you know, he's called me to this thing, but I just don't see it anymore. The boat's not moving. I'm just rowing. I don't see. So I'm going to quit. You've given up your positive outlook on that, which you started for. And we got to be a people that stay to it. God's called me. I'm not looking back. The scripture says we put our hand to the plow and we don't look back. I'll close with this. I can imagine that they're in the boat and they're disciples. And I can imagine they're all being really spiritual. I I can imagine that they're, they're probably really praying for Jesus. They're probably Jesus, you know, come save us. And, and they're probably crying out to God, you know, here we are in this storm. And I'll bet about them. They were looking for something to happen in the sky or for Jesus to come on another boat and, and pull him in. I'll bet that they were looking somewhere really spiritual for their help to come from. But they didn't take a look because when Jesus walked up, they were like, it's a ghost. That can't be Jesus because he's walking on water. They were looking for it to probably come in a really spiritual. I can just imagine. It's not in there, but I can imagine. Because many times we look for our answers from God to come from the sky, the pastor, the church, the TV guy, the this, if I could just get it from this. But a lot of times your breakthrough comes when you look into the difficult situation and you just row through it. You just trust God through it. You just keep rowing, keep rowing that you'll find Jesus. The really key thing to this story is this. The scripture says that Jesus almost walked by. And then Peter says, hey, if that's you, tell me to come to you and walk out on the water. Because here's what Jesus does. When you get stuck in a storm, he always gives you the opportunity to either call him into your storm and let him help, or he lets you do it on your own. So they're rowing and they're, and they're rowing and they're rowing. And they could be, I'm sure they tried to calculate. Is there a way that we can do this to make this happen? And they're trying to figure it out on their own. And Peter's like, Jesus, if that's you, I wanna be, I'm, he called them into his situation. 
We need to be the same way when we're in a storm and we're stuck and we're rowing. Don't spend all your effort trying to figure it out on your own. Call God into your situation. Get the counseling, get the coaching, go see somebody. Somebody say amen. We got to call people in that can speak positive and give life. You're not called to figure this out on your own. So he calls them in because Peter understood this. God's called us to be water walkers, not just boat talkers. Would have been easy to stay in the boat and try to talk about what they should do. And, and Christians get real good at that. They stay in their nice little boat and they do their little thing where they can figure it all out on their own. Or they can say, hey, I just need to be where my savior is. And if it calls me to walk out on some water, then that's what I'll do. What, 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 what about it? I mean, literally, Peter, the thing that he feared the most, he chose to go participate in. Are we going to die in these waves? Are we going to die in this storm? Are we going to die in this wind? And then he's like, hey, call me out onto that. Sometimes the thing that you fear is going to be the end of you is actually the beginning of you. I don't know if we can break through. I don't know if we can get over. I don't know if we can do. But if you submit to it, it'll be the thing that actually pushes you through. Amen. The scripture says that for the first time after Jesus and Peter walked back to the boat, it says for the first time they had this revelation and acknowledgement that Jesus was Messiah because they saw Jesus do something through an ordinary person, Peter. And they said, if you could do that through him, truly you have to be the Messiah. Amen. I hope in my prayer is that we be a people that are so used by God because we don't want to be boat people. We want to be water walker people that we get into our communities and we love people and we connect with people and the community goes, wow, this Jesus thing must be real because look what God's doing through all those ordinary people. Amen. I want to close with these last thoughts. The, the, the title of this is this, you know, stay positive. God is giving you godly confidence. Because the scripture shouts at us that God is for us. God is for us and he's paid everything and he cares deeply and he believes in you. So for many in this room, you are actually getting done with the fish and chips. And this year, God is like making you get on a boat. And in the beginning, you're like, that's cool. I'm full and we just had a good time and we can, and you're gonna row out and you're gonna hit the wind and you're gonna hit the waves and you're gonna have to make a decision. <laughs> am I gonna look to go back? Am I gonna let myself freak out in the natural or am I gonna trust that my savior, my God, my Jesus is on top of all of this and that he's not intimidated by any of it. Psalm 57, seven says, my heart is confident in you. Oh God, my heart is confident. No wonder I can sing your praises. To be able to sing the praises of God, to stay positive and stay encouraged, to be able to do that, we have to remind ourselves of the confidence that God has given to us. My heart is confident. Oh God, my heart is, he's reminded the writer is, that's why the scripture says that uh, David strengthened himself in the Lord. He built up 
the positive stuff that God speaks about us. Romans 8, 31 says, what then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? What of this world can be against us? Nothing, if God is for us. Hebrews 10, 35 says, so do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. God cares about you walking in godly confidence. Why? Because he's looking to reward it in your life. Keep rowing, keep rowing, keep rowing. They didn't quit. They kept rowing, kept rowing, knowing that God would do something for them. And it was richly rewarded. Hebrews 13, six. So we can say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will have no fear. What can mere people do to me or what can situations do to me? Psalm 46, one, God is our refuge and strength and ever present help in trouble. And then Philippians 1, 6, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it unto completion until the day of Jesus Christ. They say, it's such a old church saying, God didn't bring you this far to leave you, but that's the truth. He didn't let him go three and a half miles out into the lake, into the storm to leave him there. And he wouldn't do the same thing to you either. If God started something in you, he's gonna be faithful to complete it, amen.